Welcome to the podcast of Life Church in Houston, Texas. We are so glad that you are joining us today. We hope that this message inspires your week, builds your faith, and ultimately brings you closer to Christ. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the podcast. So today, I am preaching a sermon called Living a Life of Gratitude. Living a Life of Gratitude. I know it's Thanksgiving week, and, and, and on Thanksgiving Day, we have a tendency to gather our family together and be thankful and talk about thankfulness, and, and, and I love that. We're going to do that and, and uh, really uh, going to dig into that and talk about that and talk about the things that we're thankful for, and God has been so good to us Anybody in this room, in the campuses, has God been good to you? We are thankful for the goodness of God, and uh, thank you so much. And, and as we uh, talk about that, I, I really felt uh, that the Lord spoke to my heart and said, I, I'm thankful for your thanksgiving, but I, I want you to be living a life of gratitude. And so I started working on that, and, and I'm going to preach it to you today. I, I read several years ago about a um, newspaper interview, and uh, the, the interviewee was uh, a 100-year-old man, and, and the, the person that was given the interview, and I think it was for a newspaper article, uh, they were just amazed at all of the changes that, that this man had seen in his lifetime, and, and uh, all the changes that had taken place, and so at court close to the end of the interview the interviewer said sir you've seen so many changes you've seen you've seen indoor plumbing which I just want to say thank you Jesus that we've made those advances Uh, you've seen uh, automobiles come in you've seen freeways be built you've seen airplanes and just the increase of technology you have seen so much and and the old man that was sitting there looked at her and said yeah and I've been against every one of them you know, uh, sometimes people just get to a place where they can't do anything but complain. And I believe that it is our responsibility that we should make every effort to move our gratitude beyond just a day or a week of Thanksgiving, but let it become a part of our life. I, I want to start our sermon today with a verse out of the New Testament that I have always found to be really intriguing. You know, one of those scriptures that I've gone back to over and over again, and it's one of those scriptures that's kind of a high mark for our life, as Paul is talking about Christian living and victorious Christian living, this passage really is one that stands out to me, and it's in the book of Colossians chapter 2 and verse number 7. This is what Paul says. Let your roots grow down into him. Now, I'm not going to take time to preach on that part, but this is absolutely one of the strongest discipleship verses that you'll ever find and ways that we should practice living our life. Our roots grow down into him and that our lives be built on him. Then your faith will go grow strong in the truth. That's just principle right there that you can apply to your life that will change your life. And I love how Paul ends this verse. He says, um, uh, to the truth you were taught and you will overflow with thanksgiving. Overflow. Uh, now, a lot of times in our life, we look at overflowing as problematic. <laughs> we don't want things to overflow. You know, we're careful to keep things in containers. But this is what God is saying to us. I don't want you to keep your joy, your thanksgiving in a container. 
I want you to live a life where it is constantly overflowing everywhere you go. We should leave a puddle of thanksgiving everywhere we stand, a, a trail of joy as we walk through places. That's what this scripture is talking about. And, and as Paul is talking about it, he's talking about a victorious Christian life. I wanted to read that last portion from the Living Bible, and it says it like this. Let your lives overflow with joy and thanksgiving for all he has done. Can I just have a moment where we can thank God for all that he has done for us? Has God blessed you? If he has, why don't you give him a hand clap of praise, an applause unto our Savior for the goodness he has put in our life. God's been good to me. I can look everywhere around my life. And yes, I have problems. And yes, I have circumstances. And yes, when I lay down at night, there's things that I have to worry through and think about and pray about. But those things don't even compare to the blessings that God has poured in my life. And you know, every once in a while, I have to take my eyes off of the circumstances and put my eyes on the blessing so I can really see what all God has done for me. One more time. Is there anybody that has been blessed by God? Amen. I think that we should continually express our thanksgiving to God. I mean, Paul wrote about it in the book of Ephesians. He's opened the eyes of our heart so that we can see these great truths through Jesus Christ. He's so, that th this precious truth, this life changes truth, this glorious truth. I'm, I'm thankful that I have had the eyes of my heart open so I can see just how good God has been and how incredible the gift of Jesus Christ is and uh, I, the move of the Spirit in my life. I, I, I ask myself, what would it look like for me to be a person who life is just overflowing? with gratitude. What would my life look like if, if everywhere I went, there was an attitude of thanksgiving for all that God has done for me? Excuse me. So this is what I'd like for you to do. I'd like for you to get a pen out or pencil out, get some paper out, get your phone out if you have a note apps on it, because I'm going to give you a sentence today that I want you to carry with you throughout this week. Something that you can look at. I, I hope it's something that you'll remember. I hope it's something that will, you can take with you. And so let's take a little bit of notes today. And, and I'm going to take this sentence and I'm going to preach it. It's three points. I've broken it into three points. And so uh, every point will be a part of the sentence. The first part, the middle part, and the last part. So here it goes. Uh, point one, when grace flows in. Everybody say, when grace flows in. All of the campuses, one more time, when grace flows in. So this is what I have discovered. I have discovered that if you're going to be thankful and have an understanding of gratitude, that the first thing that you have to do is you have to understand the grace of God. And you have to understand the word grace. In, in, in the early verses of this book of Ephesians that I mentioned just a few moments ago, the Apostle Paul begins to talk about the fact that we are chosen by God. 
We're a part of the family of God, right? He talks about that, that we're a part of the family of God. He talks about how we've been adopted into the family of God. And, and as he's talking about these things that have made such an impact on our life, he says that it's because of grace. This is why we've been adopted in. And, and through this is why we've been made part of the family. Let, let me read it to you in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 6 and 7. So we praise God for the glorious grace grace he has poured out on us who belong to his dear son he is so rich in kindness and grace that he purchased our freedom everybody say purchased he purchased our freedom with the blood of his son and forgave our sins that that's so beautiful and it really captures that grace is a gift that is given to us. It's getting something that I haven't earned. It's living a life that I don't deserve. And, and I've been graced with that. God has graced me. He's poured grace upon me so that I can be a part of his family. And, and you know, I, I've, one of the things that I've loved as a pastor through the years is when I've seen grace flow into the lives of people, of individuals. I, I've experienced it for myself so many times when I didn't deserve to be forgiven, right? You know what I'm talking about. When I didn't deserve the next blessing, when, when I didn't really deserve what God had for me, and yet he has been so rich in his mercy and his grace that he just poured. I actually, I was dead in my trespasses and sin, and he still loved me. That is grace, amen. Just this past weekend, uh, Friday and Saturday, we had our freedom conference. And, and, and I love just seeing grace being poured out. I, I love seeing people that were healed from, from rejection and from, and from uh, abuse and from pride. I, I, I love seeing people delivered from lustful uh, strongholds and bitterness in their life. And I love seeing people being able to forgive and let go of the past. And, and, and that was such a powerful experience for us. And I, I love the Freedom Conference. If, you, if you've never gone through the Freedom Small Groups, uh, we're going to start back up in January. And, and, and I just encourage you. As a matter of fact, I was talking to a couple this morning. And they said they were going to go through in January the Freedom. And, and we'll have another Freedom Conference uh, in the month of April. And it's going to be amazing. I know that you won't be disappointed. And uh, if you're interested in that freedom group you need to talk to your campus pastor today get get the information so that when the spring semester starts next year you can be a part of it so that freedom that that joy that thankfulness it it comes because of joy in our heart there's joy in our heart and that results in our praise you know, a lot of people, they, they're uncomfortable with, with praising God. They're uncomfortable with clapping. They're uncomfortable with late raising their hands. And, and I understand maybe that they were raised in a way or a tradition that doesn't express themselves like that. But, but I absolutely love that we applaud, that we have joy in our time of worship. I felt it here this morning when the worship was going on. I felt the joy of the Lord. I felt the strength of God. And, and, and I just want you to know that we do that because we recognize how much God has done in our life. 
this is what I've always found. I've always found that people will applaud at certain times because they're joyful. They're happy. They may go to a concert and a particular song moves them and they'll, oh man, that was awesome. Or, or go to a, a football game or a basketball game and your team scores or does something good. Oh man, that's awesome. And they're applauding. They're joyful. They don't applaud during the mistakes unless it's for the other team. And that, that, that's not, you know, hey, whatever. <laughs> it's just important that we see where that comes from. It comes from a moment when we're captured by happiness or joy or, or we're satisfied. And, and, and so that's why I think we should always be ready to express our joy at what God has done. Amen. God doesn't just score touchdowns on Sunday. God scores touchdowns in my life every moment. He, he, he wins in my life every moment. Every moment with Jesus Christ is a moment of applause. It's a moment of worship. It's a moment of thanksgiving because what God has done in my life. How many of you are thankful for what God has done in your life? Amen. Amen. And so if you understand grace, then you will be full of joy and gratitude. You'll be full of joy and thanksgiving. You'll be full of joy when grace flows in. Now, now most people uh, that I have known in my life uh, see grace in two extreme places. There's two extreme views of grace. And, and there's one side that have such an extreme view of grace that they have a hard time accepting a God who is all about grace. That they, it may be because of tradition, it may be because of what they've heard, it may be their own fear or uh, their feeling of, uh, of, of rejection in their own life, that they're not worthy. Um, and, and many of those people have a picture of God that is very rigid, very stern, very firm in everything that he does. You know, he's, the, he's the kind of guy that just gets pleasure out of uh, pushing us around. <laughs> I, I just happened to come across a, a little video the other day and, and uh, this guy was riding a bicycle uh, and he was filming and he said, today I'm going to be, I can't remember what he said, but just some type of word of bullying or something. And there was another guy in front of him on the bicycle riding along the channel or the, the little river there and, and the guy rides up beside him and kicks him in the water. Now, full disclosure, I did giggle a little bit when I saw it, but I don't think that it was funny from the guy's standpoint that went in the water. And, and you know, sometimes our picture of God is like he's just giving us a hip check, you know, at times of time and we're falling into the shelf and oh, I deserved it, God. Thank you for making me fall into the shelf, just kind of punishing us a little bit, you know, and, and, and then there's some that just think about God as someone who carries around a big stick, just ready to give us a good whopping uh, or whipping or whatever it's called. I, I had a sister-in-law that called it a, I can't remember. Ripping, yeah, whatever it was, but but you know that that's the kind of person that thinks that God is all about rules and regulations, and and that He's and we end up walking around in fear that we're going to step out of line. It's hard to live a life that is overflowing with joy when you're constantly worried about losing out with God and that He's fixing to punish you about something. And and, and those who carry around that image of God, they they have a hard time understanding. What Paul would write about in his letters. For instance, this one verse 
In the book of Romans chapter 8 and verse 31, it says, What shall we say about such wonderful things as these? And, and Paul has talked about a, a lot of things over the last couple of chapters. He's talked about baptism and he's talked about living with the Spirit and being adopted into the family of God. And, and just beautiful passage. I, actually, Romans chapter 8 is, is perhaps the, the, the greatest chapter in the Bible. So full of these amazing truths. And, and, and so he says, What shall we we say about these wonderful things and he's covering many many verses this is what he says if God is for us if God is for us who can ever be against us and somebody that is always worried about God punishing them, that's a hard thing to reconcile I just want to preach here for a minute today that God is for you God is for you. It doesn't say he might be for you. It doesn't say he has been for you. He was for you or he will be for you or he could be for you. It says God is for you. This is great news, folks. Right here on a Sunday morning at Life Church, God is for you. And you don't have to wait in line. You don't have to worry about God running out. He's not going to run out of his grace. You don't have to worry about, oh, I'll just have to come back tomorrow to get what I need. No, God has it for you today. And it doesn't matter where you've been. It doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter where your life's journey has taken you. I'm going to declare something over you right now that should bring thanksgiving to your heart. God is for you. Amen. That's grace. That's grace that no matter what I've done in my life, now he wants to change me and rearrange my life and he wants me to repent and turn from my sin. But even if I'm in my sin, he loves me. He's for me. He's reaching for me to come back to the place of grace. Amen. I, I don't have to try and get God to like me. He already does. Uh, dear God, this is Jim. Do you like me? Check one, yes or no. I don't have to send those kind of notes. I know that God loves me, that God cares about me. I, I know that it's not about me being good enough to get his favor. I, I know it's just that he unconditionally loves me and wants to grace my life even though I don't deserve it. Amen. That's something to be thankful for, isn't it? That's something, that's why we exist. We exist as a church to let people see this incredible grace that God has for them. This incredible life change that God wants to move in their life. And, and, and we want you to discover what God has for you. As a matter of fact, next Sunday in all of our campuses, we're having an event called Discover Life. And, and it is an event that, that we just want you to discover the best life that you could ever live. And that's the life that God created you to live. And, and if you have any questions about that, you need to talk to your campus pastor, Next Steps uh, booth after service, because I, I want everybody to go through Discover Life and find what God has for you. Amen. Now, there's another group of people that have another extreme view of grace. And their view is, I kind of deserve it. I, I, I think that, that, that I deserve it. I, I know that I'm not perfect, but, 
that, you know, if God is grading on a curve, I'm, I'm probably going to end up doing pretty good. You know, they got that kind of attitude where, well, if there's a certain number of spots in heaven, you know, I feel pretty good about earning one of those spots. I, I, I think I've got it all together. And, and, and of course, we know that the Bible paints a completely different picture of what grace is all about. Jesus in his confrontation with some of the people that felt that way, you, you can see how he treated them and how he talked to them. And, and, and really the Bible just paints such a different picture. There's none of us that deserve the grace of God and none of us that are good enough. Uh, Paul actually says in the book of Ephesians that before we came to Christ, listen, listen, that we are under the dominion of Satan. I heard a survey yesterday and it really stirred me because it was a survey not done of people in the world but church people and a large percentage, if I remember correctly, it was like 42, 43% of people believed that they were innocent at birth, that they didn't come into this world as a sinful person. And of course, the Bible very clearly teaches us that we come in with that curse of, of sin upon us, and that's the grace of Jesus that helps remove that. And I hope nobody in this place feels this way, that, oh, I'm good enough. I don't need God. I don't need Jesus. I, I want you to know that the Bible says that without him, we are under the dominion of Satan. He also says in the book of Ephesians that we are by nature sinful creatures. We're sinful creatures. And, and, and so I, I don't want to bust your bubble. I don't want you to be offended at me when I tell you this. But, but you'll never understand grace until you understand how much you need grace. You'll never understand grace and have a heart of thanksgiving until you understand how much you need it. And if you're walking around with the attitude of, I'm pretty good, I'm all right, I'm probably going to make it in, then you need to understand how big and how majestic and how holy and how perfect our God is and how much he's loved us. Even though we are little and sinful, he has reached for us. And when we see that gulf and how he has done everything to bridge that gulf, then we can understand how desperately we need grace. And it's when we understand how desperately we need grace, we can have a heart of thanksgiving for all that God has truly done for us. All that God has truly brought into our life. And I'm going to just emphasize it here one more time before I move on. You will never understand grace until you understand the darkness of your own soul. You'll never understand grace until you can understand that there is nothing in me, nothing in you that would commend ourselves to God. There's no amount of things that we can do where God says, oh, I'll just check them off. They're a good person. We need grace. But, but here's the good news. The good news is in spite of how dark my soul can be. It, can I just ask a question to all the campuses? Are you aware of how dark your soul can be? I, I am. Let me see your hand if you're aware. We, we have that in our life. And, and in spite of how dark my soul can be, and in spite of how big and majestic God is, and doesn't need me, he chooses me. He loves me. And he's reaching for me. That's grace. 
So the first thing you have to understand if you want to live a life of gratitude is that you have to let the grace flow in. Everybody say grace flow in. Just picture that, the blessings of God flowing into your life even though you don't deserve them. And when that grace flows in, let's continue our sentence now with our second point. If you're taking notes, when grace flows in, then gratitude fills up. Gratitude fills up. When, when we really understand grace, that there's just a natural pro byproduct and that's just gratitude. When we really understand how much God has loved us and, and, and I know from my own experiences in my own life and my own personality how quickly I can forget God's grace and quickly move to grumbling and complaining and griping. I mean, that's just human nature. So, and, and, and the reason that we do that is because somehow we take our eyes off of all that God has done for us and we fixate on the things that we don't have. We, we fixate on the things that, well, I wish I had this in my life. And I wish I had this in my life. And, and, and this is what I think. I think that we should be more grateful for what we have and get our eyes off of the things that we may not have and may think that we need. This is what I've found in my life. Many times I have thought I needed this and I needed this and I needed this. And when I got it, you know what it did for me? Nothing. It didn't add any satisfaction. It didn't add any fulfillment. As a matter of fact, most of the time, those things added bills and stress. I just thought I had to have them and I got my eyes off of the grace of God. Let, let me tell you a story about two people that started this whole thing named Adam and Eve. Now here are two people and they are created in God's image. Perfect. <laughs> not too fat, not too skinny, not too tall, not too short. You know, they, they're just perfect. Don't even ask after service if they had a belly button. I'm not getting into any of that. <laughs> Have no idea. We'll find out when we get to glory. And, and, and not only are they created perfect, but God drops them into a place that is called, listen, paradise. Paradise. Now, in my life, I've traveled many places and I've gone to places that were called Paradise, you know, Island or Paradise Beach. And I'm just going to tell you right now, they fell short of my idea of paradise. <laughs> but the Bible does not lie. And I'm going to tell you, when God said that it was a place of paradise, it was a place of paradise. They had everything that they needed. They had everything for their fulfillment. They had everything that would make them live a life of purpose. And there was just one thing God said, hey, by the way, do not eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. This is it. Everything else is yours. Everything else to make you happy, to bring your enjoyment, to bring your fulfillment, that, that's what it is. Well, well, we know what the Bible says. What became their focus? The one thing they couldn't have. The one thing that was off limits to them. And, and, and it was all about the one thing that they couldn't get a hold of. Not, not gratitude for everything else they had. Not focusing on the paradise and the fulfillment that came because they were placed in this amazing place. But it was because God had withheld one thing from them. I'm really mad at them until I look in the mirror and realize just how much I am similar to them. 
I, just how much my mind can quickly move from glorifying God to grumbling about something that didn't go right. Come on, somebody. <laughs> I, I, sometimes when I preach, I step on a few feet. Today, I'm on all of y'all's feet. <laughs> Because we all have that attitude sometimes where we go from goodness and happiness and joy to grumbling. Okay, pastor, I'll just put a smile on my face. I'm not asking for fake gratitude. You know, polite gratitude. Polite gratitude is not real gratitude. You, you know what I'm talking about. That, that kind of gratitude that you, that you force on your children when they get a present that they don't like. You better smile. Aunt Clara gave you that. Does anybody have an Aunt Clara? Let me see. No, no, good. I'm, I'm, I can't see the other campuses, so I, forgive me if you have an Aunt Clara. But Ralphie had an Aunt Clara, Aunt Clara. And Ralphie got pink bunny pajamas. How many of you remember that? When Ralphie comes down the stairs, oh my Lord. That is one of the funniest things. And, and there he is, and his face is just, and, and what is the mom saying? You better be thankful. Your Aunt Clara made that homemade for you. And the, thank God for the dad. It's like, are you happy? No. Do you want to take that off? Yes. But, of course, the mother had to chime in. You're wearing it when Aunt Clara's here. Oh, my goodness. I, I'm talking about the kind of gratitude that resides voluntarily in the depths of my soul. I'm not talking about fake gratitude. I'm not talking about fake happiness. I, I, I know that there are things around me that aren't good, but I make the choice inside of me that I am going to be full of gratitude for all that God has done in my life and all that God wants to accomplish. I want that joy down in my heart that it would just spring forth. I want that appreciation that makes me less petty and less critical I want that so I want to paint a picture of this over these next few minutes of what I feel like the Bible talks about to have a life that is overflowing with gratitude and I'm going to use three words if you're taking notes again this is a good three words to jot down, jot down. Uh, I, I first of all have to have the right perspective everybody say perspective you know a lot of times when our face is down, when our eyes are on our problems, then we don't have the right perspective. I, I need to look to the hills from which cometh my help. I need to lift up my eyes. I, I'm, not, I'm not dependent on the circumstances to be grateful and to be thankful. No, I'm not thankful when I hear a, a d diagnosis of cancer or, or hear about some issue. I, that's not what God is saying. But I'm always thankful for the blessings and the goodness of God that is in my life through all of the circumstances. All of the circumstances. Habakkuk is one of those little books in the Old Testament. And, and it's written from... Habakkuk's perspective and he's full of anger and question and questioning God in chapter one why is this happening why is this going on and in chapter two God just comes and answers him this is why this is what's going on you need to understand who I am and what I see and I'm the God that sees all things and weighs all things and and when when God talks to Habakkuk I love the way that his perspective changes and, and he responds back to God in the third chapter or the portion of the third chapter of Habakkuk. And listen to what he says in verse 17 and 18. Even though the fig trees have no blossoms and there are 
no grapes on the vine. And even though the olive crop fails and the fields lie empty and barren, and even though the flocks die in the field and the cattle barns are empty. Let me just stop right there before I get to verse 18. That's a bleak situation, folks. I don't care where you are, and I'm not a plumber. I mean, I'm not a a farmer, so you know a lot of this is about farms. And we, but, but let's just put it in in our context. Even though the even though the gas stations have no gas, and even though there's no um, Fruit Loops on the shelves of H E B, and 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 even though the the Coke is no longer available, uh, and 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 all of the chickens have died, so I can't have rotisserie chicken uh when in the evening and uh, listen to verse number 18 but i will yet i will rejoice in the lord i will be joyful in the god of my salvation now i want you to know something when god spoke to Habakkuk, he didn't say hey everything's going to be all right don't worry it's all going to be all right god didn't say that as a matter of fact god said the opposite of that God said, yes, there are troubles that are going to come, but I am in control and I will never leave my people. And so even though all of these things happen, Habakkuk made the decision, I will be joyful in the God of my salvation. See, my gratitude is not contingent on the circumstances. I can't be full of joy and then something happened and I smote my chest and say, why God, why? I'm sorry I even did that illustration, God. I did nothing in me saying that. True gratitude has nothing to do with what I have or what I don't have. It has nothing to do with having a good job or not having a job. It, it has nothing to do with my health being great or, or, or having problems with my health. It's just not dependent on circumstances. My joy is something that comes from inside of me. It is supernatural. It is something that is beyond this world. This is how Paul said it. I'm, I'm reading from the Amplified, 1 Thessalonians 5 and 18. In every situation, no matter the circumstances, be thankful and continually give thanks to God, for this is the will of God for you in Christ Jesus. So perspective. Everybody say perspective. Second one is protection. Everybody say protection. We have to guard our heart and we guard our heart with gratitude. Gratitude is the wall that protects our heart. Um, what does it mean to guard our heart with gratitude? Uh, in the life that we're living following Jesus Christ, there, there's a lot of spiritual diseases that are of the heart. I'm going to talk about a few of them here in just a few minutes. And, uh, but, but no matter what the symptom is or no matter what's going in our heart, I, I really believe that one of the ways to bring health to our heart and to protect our heart is just to be thankful. Just to have this feeling of gratitude. And, and, and actually next week in the second part of this series, I'm going to be preaching on how to keep your heart healthy. I'm really excited about that. Can't wait to bring that to you. Five points that I'll bring next week. Ephesians chapter 5, 3 through 4 says it like this. Don't allow love to turn into lust. Setting off a downhill slide of sexual promiscuity, filthy practices, or bullying greed. 
Though some tongues just love the taste of gossip. <laughs> I like how that's worded there in the message. You, you know anybody that likes the take, taste of gossip? Like, yeah, give me another helping of that. I, I really enjoy that. Those who follow Jesus have better uses for language than that. They have better use. Don't talk dirty or silly. That kind of talk doesn't fit our style. Listen to this last point. And of course, it's from the message. Thanksgiving is our dialect. That's what we should have as a Christian. And, And when I place gratitude in my heart, Thanksgiving just begins to feel. It changes what comes out of my mouth. It changes how I talk. And it holds at bay or protects from inappropriate things coming into my life. So let's talk about some of those things. If you struggle with cynicism or criticism, and I've known people like that, we probably all have known people like that, that if you show them the most beautiful, perfect sunrise or sunset, they'll find something to talk about, something to gripe about, something to, to, to point away from. And, it, and this is what I think. I think that, that uh, when somebody is constantly critical and, and full of cynicism, It's systematic of an ungrateful heart, probably a heart that says, I can do it on my own. I don't need Jesus. So what do I do if I'm a person that is critical? What do I do if I wrestle with cynicism? Well, work on gratitude. Instead of looking at the things that you want to gripe about, start putting your eyes on the things of gratitude. What, what about a criticism? If, if you're talking uh, constantly bad about people, why don't you just start looking for things that you can appreciate and be thankful for? Just look for things that you can say, this is good in my life. So, some of you are struggling with bitterness in your marriage. <clears throat> and when you and your spouse begin to get in it, you feel resentment well up inside of you. And, and my encouragement is, look, start looking at that spouse differently. Instead of looking at all of the things that they don't do, start being thankful for the things that they are doing and who they are and begin to express out loud. I I wrote something this week on uh, Facebook. I'm not sure if I can quote it, but the healing of a lot of difficult relationships just begins with a word of kindness. Just speaking gratitude and see what God will begin to do in your heart. Maybe your issue is one of pride and you find yourself thinking about it. It's all about you. You're always focusing on yourself. Well, then just start focusing on being grateful. Anything you are and everything you have is by the grace of God and it's a gift. Are, Are we thankful tonight? Are we thankful today for the grace of God? Amen. Perspective, protection, and practice. Practice staying in the moment. This is why I'm saying that. Many times when people are ungrateful, it's because they're constantly going back into their past and seeing things that are going wrong, or they're looking forward to the morrow, not knowing what's going to happen, unsure, not sure what's going to take place. Today is the day that the Lord has made. You, you, this, is, this is what's so amazing about every day when I get up. I, I can't choose to be skinny on that morning. That's a long ramp. I've been making that decision a long time. It's not quite kicked in yet, but I still have faith. I, I, can't, I can't wake up in the morning and decide, you know what, I think I want to be six foot five today. You know, I, I can't make those decisions But this is what I can make. I can make the decision that today I'm going to be grateful. Today I choose joy. 
Today I'm going to rejoice in all that the Lord has done for me. And I want to tell you something. When you make that decision, there is no one else or there is no circumstance in the world that controls your decision. You have the right to make that decision. And and, and really gratitude is linked to my ability to stay in this moment. I, I don't know how many of you have raised children or are raising children, but you'll understand. Some, some young people can't quite grasp this yet, but life moves very fast. And you can blink and it'll be over. And, and if I'm not careful, this is what will happen on this day. If I'm not present on this day, I'll blow right past the moments that I should be grateful for, the things that I should be grateful for. And I don't want to do that. I want to stay in the moment and let God inject in my heart the things that are there that I need to be grateful for and Stay there. I, I want to be. I, I want to have those moments where, where through the eyes of gratitude, I, I see how thankful I am for my wife, and how thankful I am for my children, and how thankful I am for my grandchildren, how thankful I am for my friends, for my church. I, I, I have to linger and stay in the moment to appreciate and say thanks, or, or I'll never be a person that is truly a person of gratitude. I quoted it, but let me read it to you now. It's from Psalms 118 and 24. This is the day the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. This is the day. This is the day. It doesn't say yesterday because I can't change yesterday. And it doesn't say tomorrow because I don't know what tomorrow holds. But one thing we can own is what we do today. How we believe today. What's going on in our life right now? I, I, look, I, what time is it? it it's it's eleven eighteen. Okay, I, I know that the day is only about half over, but in all of the campuses, I wonder how many of you would just join with me and be willing to make this a no complaint day. Anybody? Let me see your hand if you're willing. That means when you go to the uh, uh, restaurant in just a few minutes and they don't have what you want, don't don't gripe, don't complain, don't gripe about the menu. Just no complaint day. So, so let's review. I'm getting to my last point. And I know I've preached too long, but tough. I, I like what I'm saying, so I'm just going to keep going. <laughs> so when grace flows in, gratitude fills up. But there's a third part, and this is what I want you to remember if you're writing it down. When grace flows in and gratitude fills up, generosity flows out. When people realize that they get to live a life that they don't deserve. When their life has been invaded by grace and they're filled with gratitude, you know what happens? It begins to show. People begin to smile. Everybody smile. People begin to show it on their faces because they realize how good God has been to them. It begins to show in their words because they're kinder in what they say because they have this generosity flowing out because they have grace that has flown, flowed in and they've had this, uh, this goodness that has filled up, this gratitude that has filled up and it, it begins to show in their actions. They become more loving and generous people and when your heart has been transformed by grace and when your heart is filled with gratitude, you can't help 
but begin to express it in loving acts of kindness. You know, we have these cards in the lobby of all of our campuses. I, I wish today that as you go out, you'd grab one and, and just, just find someone to give an act of kindness. And when you do, give them a card. Let them know about Life Church. And, and, and I'm thankful for Life Church. I'm thankful for our family that serves together and, and, and serves others. We have some incredible people at this campus that have served, the Friendswood campus. I'm, I'm thinking about Michaela Walters. I don't know if she's in the building. She's right here on the front row. <laughs> Michaela. For everyone that doesn't know Michaela, you're missing out. And the only reason you don't know her is because you haven't been somewhere where service is taking place. Because where service is taking place, that's where Michaela is. She is amazing. I, I already mentioned others at this campus uh, that are serving and at each campus. And that's just one of our values. One of our life church values is that we love people. Amen. Amen. Now, I, I want to close with this story. And, and it's a story about Jesus. And it comes from the book of Matthew chapter 26. I, I've got a long list here, 6 through 13, but I want to read it to you quickly. Meanwhile, Jesus was in Bethany at the home of Simon, a man who had previously had leprosy. While he was eating, a woman came in with a beautiful alabaster jar of expensive perfume and poured it over his head. The disciples were indignant when they saw it. What a waste, they said. It could have been sold for a high price and the money given to the poor. But Jesus, aware of this, replied, Why criticize this woman for doing such a good thing to me? You will always have the poor among you, but you will not always have me. She has poured out this perfume on me to prepare my body for burial. I tell you the truth, wherever the good news is preached throughout this world, this woman's deed will be remembered and discussed. This is amazing because this woman on this day could walk into a room where Jesus sat physically. And she could express her love to him. She, she could pour out to him. And, and, and folks, as much as I want to do that, it's not possible. I can't go into the room and see the physical representation of Jesus Christ. I, I can't touch his feet. I can't, I can't see the... No I know they're there, but I can't physically see that. And, and, and so... When I think about all that the Lord has done for me, and I, I'm thankful for a lot of things, right? I'm think, there's so many things I'm thankful for. But at the top of the list, and, and really what is the source of all of my other joy, is what Jesus has done in my life. Is anybody thankful that Jesus loves you and saved you? If there's anything I should be thankful for, it's the knowledge of the great truths that we have in Jesus Christ. But so, so how do I show him my gratitude? How, how, how this woman was able to go in, how do I do it? I, I'll tell you. I'll tell you how we do it. When grace flows in and gratitude fills up, generosity flows out. I express love to the people that Jesus loves. I, I, I can relate to that. I, when people show my kids love, it doesn't offend me. I'm not jealous. It it warms my heart <laughs> when people say, ah, oh, that boy, he might be a better preacher than you. I'm not worried about that. That's not offensive to me. I'm like, yeah, yeah, he is. I'm so happy about it because people are showing love to the people that I love. How do you think God feels when we show love to his children 
that have never received any love. How do you think his heart feels? Well, these are the people that he cares about. These are the people we express love to. And, and, and today, Life Church, we, we need to think about that. We express love to people. And, and as we do, we're showing gratitude to God. Grace flows in. Gratitude fills up. Generosity flows out. Flows out. It all starts with grace. It all starts when you realize how much you've been forgiven. Me. Anybody here thankful for the forgiving power of Jesus Christ? I, I, I'm thankful. I, I'm going to tell you, I, I don't deserve it, but he's forgiven me. I, I, I don't deserve him loving me, but, but he does. I, I, don't, I don't deserve how much God has graced me. I don't deserve the life that I'm living. But because I realize that, Gratitude begins to fill my soul. And when my heart is full of gratitude, it can't stay put. It is so active that it appears on my face. It appears on the way I love. It appears on the way I give. If you have a person in your life that is mean, it's because they don't understand the grace of God. This is what the grace of God does. It makes us kinder people. The love of Jesus doesn't make us better than everyone else. It makes us understanding of how much everybody else needs Jesus. It starts with grace. Yes. Who, who needs grace? Let me just see the hands and all the campuses. Who needs grace? I, I, I love you, Jesus. Can you just join with me a moment and let's just love the Lord together. We love you, Jesus. We love you. We're so thankful for all that you have done for us. We're so thankful for your goodness. We're so thankful for your grace. We are so thankful. We love you, Jesus. We love you, Jesus. Everybody say, I love you, Jesus. When grace flows in, gratitude fills up, and generosity flows out. Now, I want to say a prayer here for you before I turn this back to our worship teams at all of the campuses. And I want to tell you, Life Church, have a great Thanksgiving. I love you. I'm thankful for you. And I pray that the Lord would help you move to a place where you live a life of gratitude. As I'm praying, will the prayer teams come and make their way to the front? And uh, let's just stand together, please. Will you stand with me? Amen. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Prayer team is coming here at Friendswood. I know it's Houston Elite City. Amen. So, you know, at the end of my prayer, I'm going to turn it to the worship team. If there's anyone in the room that today is the day that you need that grace, or perhaps you've never even heard of the grace of God. If anybody in the room needs that step of faith, that step of grace, I, I would just ask you to come and pray with one of our prayer team members. Don't take that step just mentally and say, okay, that's covered. This is something that everyone needs to understand. It is God's will for you to be a part of a local church. And so come, let us pray for you. Let us help you. Let us help you find that next step and let God have his way. Let, let me pray. Jesus, I thank you so much for all that you have done for us, oh God. If I were to stand here and count my blessings, the time could not contain it. You have been so good to me. You've been so good to us, dear Lord. 
Your blessings have flown into our life and your blessings have changed our life and your grace has caused us to be set free from the sin that had us bound. Your grace has given us a chance when we were dead, <laughs> when we were so far away from you that we were without feeling. You, you reach for us. In your love and in your mercy, you reach for us, Lord. And I just pray right now for all of our campuses that it that each campus, someone who maybe had never experienced the grace of Jesus Christ, that, that today would be that day that they would turn from their sinful ways and turn from their self-absorbed life and they would say, I know what I need. I need the grace of Jesus Christ. I pray, dear Lord, that you would move them, that you would move them to prayer. You move them to come to our prayer partners. I pray that you would move them to have their life changed. And my prayer for every person that is hearing my voice today, online, at our campuses, is that, God, we would let your grace flow in. And as it does, that the gratitude would just fill us up and that the generosity would flow out of us and that we would live that life that is overflowing in Jesus Christ. In Jesus' name I pray. And everyone said, Amen.